Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Bandwagon Nerds is taped in front of a live studio audience. time ago in a bandwagon far, far away. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and thank you. Welcome into a very special edition of Bandwagon Nerds, brought to you by the Chairshot Radio Network here on thechairshot.com. With you, as always, is, is your good friend, the curmudgeon himself, Patrick O'Dowd. Yes, I'm now a curmudgeon. Um, I learned this after listening to the Pod is War podcast, um, I do believe. Was it Pod is War? Where, where I was called a curmudgeon by Abelaz. I don't remember which Abelaz it was, but one of them called me a curmudgeon. Was it Andrew? Andrew? Or, yeah, Andrew. We'll go with that one. Anyway, yes, so going to embrace the curmudgeonness that is myself. I am, of course, joined by the rest of the bandwagon, the live studio audience. PC Tunney is here, as is David Ungar and the Reverend Ray Cash. Sorry, the lawyer, David Ungar. Here, this Monday, May 3rd, in anticipation of May the 4th on Tuesday, which I nearly lobbied Tony to see if I could like flip bandwagon nerds for one day and see like, can we play this on Tuesday? But then I was like too scared to ask because, you know, who wants to go to the boss and be all like, you know, I don't, I don't know. You got to, you got to bring your microphone down in front of your face um, or something. I can't, I can't hear you. I get, I give you clearance right now. (laughs) Well, then, so if if this happens, then May the 4th 
It is. Congratulations. It happened. It's May the 4th, everybody. Oh, how about that? You, oh, my gosh. Sorry. The little O'Dowd snuck into the into the studio and, and has come by. Do you, do you need something, Bob? All right. I'll be right with you. Everybody caught that. Happy May the 4th. We have quite a show in front of us today. We are going to be talking a lot of Star Wars stuff, not just Star Wars stuff. We do have all kinds of other uh, wonderful topics. We're going to visit the trailer park, but uh, we're going to talk a little bit of DC casting news because I feel like that that should be that should be discussed. And we're also going to go into Disney being the bad guy a little bit, uh, but it had to do with Star Wars as well. And so. We, I figured we would we would start with covering all of that little bit of news uh, in anticipation of May the 4th, the biggest Star Wars day of the year, where generally Star Wars news hits. And, and so I'm always excited. Dave, I'm sure, will we'll be sending us all kinds of stuff as, as we get it through. Ray, who has become the fountain of information, will be sending it our way as well. Uh, but to kick it off, before we get into any of that, uh, I'm going to start with an early edition of Patrick O'Dowd has a question. Yeah, I know, right? I'm not going to play the music because Patrick O'Dowd is going to have a question at the end of the show as well. But because we're we're celebrating Star Wars Day, it's May the 4th. I know, two questions. One question in but 27 parts. I, I got, I can't, you can't see the shirt <laughs> as well, but it's my Lion King parody. And that was a very nice uh, back to school reference. Maybe we should review that for the nerd review this week. We don't have a movie uh, and then, so I'm always down with a little bit of uh, a little bit of uh, what is it? Thornton Mellon is his name, I do believe. Yeah, bring us but, a pitcher uh, of beer every ten minutes until someone passes out, and then bring us one every two minutes. <laughs> That's right, great, classic, classic. I am having really bad cramps. I've been having really bad cramps all day. I must be menstrual. Okay, so here's my question to kick this off, and I'll just let you guys go around the block to have the discussion. Star Wars is this cultural touchstone. We have had an entire episode dedicated to Star Wars. My my question to all of you, what does Star Wars mean to you? Dave, I figure you're going to take the longest answer. So I'm going to start with you. And then we'll go Ray and then Tony can bring up the end and I will I will catch up in a sec. It's trash. Ray, over to you. No. <laughs> Hey, I, I, hey, I no, can't follow that. No, um, <laughs> I mean, Star Wars to me is is one of the I mean, it, it is one of the most successful movie franchises, if not the most successful movie franchises in history, not just the world in history. And for me, yeah, I mean, from the early days of seeing that in the theaters in 1977, when I was all of nine, which is just scary to think about, I, you know, from. The standpoint of what it started out as, as to where it's ended up now, is nothing short of absolutely phenomenal. Where you look at just, uh, it's a Western in space, to now you've got an entire huge universe of all this stuff. I mean, toys, video games, movies, books, extended universe, shit that makes Patrick O'Dowd sick. You know, all that sort of stuff in between. It, it's, it's, I don't think anybody in their wildest imagination, George Lucas included, had any idea what what this franchise was going to spawn as far as this impact upon pop culture, upon people's lives, upon just so many different things that were, were you know, the force is fake. 
it's all made up, but you would never know that talking to a lot of people who think the force is like, it's like a real thing. It's, it's as real as God, you know, it's, it's that sort of thing and faith-based and all, we're not going to get into that, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I don't even know how to answer that, Pat. What's it mean to me? I mean, it, it's, it's my childhood that is carried over into my adulthood and, and it's, yeah, I mean, we all know we've talked about it. Some of it's better than others for sure. Some of it's done better than others. Some of it, they really missed the mark. Some of it's fantastic, but it, it's, it is the, I, yeah, you could make the argument the most important media franchise, pop culture franchise, pop culture phenomenon in human history. And I don't think that's hyperbole. Okay. Follow that. Story. <laughs> I can't. Quick, quick fun story about Star Wars. Yesterday, me and my daughter went to Dave and Buster's and they have a um, 3D, not 3D, but a virtual reality Star Wars game where you're fighting um, stormtroopers and various drones and droids and stuff like that and then finally when you lose vader comes and kills you with the force so i thought that was pretty cool is david busters like in the top five reasons to have a kid so that you can say yeah let's go to david busters you know with the kid so the kid can have fun because i would say that's 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 smart i would say that but i'll go to david busters by my damn self so but yes it is it is one of the best parts of being i'll go with you that, so that is bandwagon nerds presents Dave and Ray go to Dave and Buster's so, to make it quick. Um, it probably means more to you guys than me. Not saying it doesn't mean anything to me, but it, it is a linchpin of you guys's childhoods and you guys's upbringings. I've always enjoyed it. I've recently gotten gotten more into it as I've gotten older. And part of that is thanks to you guys. And I appreciate that. But what it means to me is it is probably the most important and most uh, and it's easily, I think, the most important maybe movie ever made. I say that because so much from there's almost like a, a B.C., like a before Star Wars and an after Star Wars, because everything seems to have changed after Star Wars. They changed the mold in so many ways, not just in graphics, not just in CGI when they finally started doing that, but in terms of episodic storytelling in movies. We didn't see a lot of that before that, you know? And now, even back going to just the first three movies, how many times did you see, I'm sure you saw a sequel, but you didn't see a trilogy of movies like that all interconnected with stories that are intertwined. So I just think it is probably one of the most important film movies and film groupings feel, um, ever created, I think. And so now, especially now you see, as you said, the world's expanded. And Patrick and I were talking yesterday about how it's not just movies, but it's TV shows. It's the, the cartoons, it's comics and novels. And all of this is canon and important. And it's just so ever expansive. And we look now at the MCU as kind of the basis for what movies have become. Star Wars did that 30 years ago. I mean, I want to officially tell you, may the fourth be with you today as you listen to this podcast dropping. Uh, personally, I was born in the midst of the original trilogy dropping. And then as I you know, grew up, I probably, man, maybe 11, 12, I finally watched all the movies, like all the way through. You know, you kind of grow up and, oh, Star Wars is on and your parents will be like, hey, look at And then you see that's Darth Vader and you fall asleep because you're a little kid. But then I remember being in college and the second 
trilogy started coming out and it was just a, such a big to do that me, these four guys that were like 20, 21 years old or whatever we were at the time, maybe 19 or 18, instead of going out to a, a party, you know, uh, a house party on college row where we were, you know, going to school, we made plans to go see star Wars. Right. And almost so did everybody else. So it's the great American story. In my opinion, it's not taken from anything else. You know, superheroes are kind of taken a little bit from Greek mythology or, or, or other, um, uh, types of mythology. You can go back to different kinds of stories that way, but this is kind of an original thing for the most part that George Lucas and, you know, uh, Steven Spielberg put together and people just went bonkers for it, man. It was something that America craved and continues to, and you got to take the good with the bad, much like many things in the American, uh, entertainment history. You know, I kind of equated to, if you're going to watch Saturday night live and expect every skit to get knocked out of the park, you're not going to be impressed. So some of the side stories you might not love, but when it comes down to it, the nuts and bolts of Star Wars is something that will live forever, especially in the American lexicon of entertainment. Right. I think that you, we really hit on sort of the biggest point of this whole this whole franchise. It's a cultural touchstone in American cinema and has been in a cultural t- touchstone for the nation base, uh, like at this point. Like, like it permeates so much of our lives and you know, everybody's life. Like you can't escape star Wars in in our world. And to me, I remember as a child being captivated by return of the Jedi in particular, because, because return of the Jedi, I was five. That was 1983. So I was five years old and was all about Ewoks. It was all about that stuff. And I I just remember I, I just remember everything about that film and for the longest time Jedi was my favorite until I got older and a little a little more mature I watched all three of them all the time and it it was a while before you know you sort of grow up and you're like oh no Empire's where it's at but as a kid just it, the Return of the Jedi that story the death of Yoda all that things and it, it just was so much of who I was my identity what what I was wrapped up into. And it does. It coincides with things like comic books. It coincides with just just who who I became as a person when it comes to like science fiction, fantasy that captured my imagination was something I wanted to explore. And Star Wars had a lot to do with it. And so I love that we celebrate Star Wars. I love that Star Wars is not like it's 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 cool to to like Star Wars. And it wasn't always cool to like Star Wars. Same thing. It's like what we talked about with Marvel Comics and a lot of other things that are that I kind of quote unquote nerdy. It's cool to to be into that stuff now. And it wasn't always that way. If you're smart about it, you can have a very great staycation, adult spring vacation in celebrating Star Wars Day and then going out and celebrating Cinco de Mayo the next day. So you can kind of have okay. a little adult stay at home vacation one day, stay in, you know, veg out, watch your Star Wars trilogy, whatever, all of them. The next day, you go out, some tequila, some margaritas, some senoritas, bonitas, and there you go, chimichangas. That's the way we do it. I was say, if, you, if you link both of them with tequila, you'll get the maximum amount of effort for your for your trouble. You know, 
And how about this? Kayfabe, the day we're actually recording. Happy birthday to The Rock. That's right. It is. Happy birthday, Dwayne, Mr. President. <laughs> yes, let's let's get Dwayne in a Star Wars movie. That'd be awesome. I'm sure we could find him a role. He's in everything else. It's true. So we are obviously going to go back and we're going to talk uh, more Star Wars a little bit later. Dave shared an article a little bit late today that I'd like to talk about as well. Um, so, Dave, if you could cue that up, because I want to make you take the lead on it. Ha 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 ha. Um, we'll, we'll get right to now, a lot of that. Right now. No, just kidding. Not the second. Relax. It's okay. I'm okay. Oh, well, I wasn't on Chair Shot Radio yesterday. So. It's true. We talked Star Wars on Chair Shot Radio on Sunday. It was it was good chat. Ray and I finally had that conversation I always wanted to have about how R two D two is the most powerful character in the Star Wars. <laughs> so so and, pulling back the curtain, I'd sent Pat a message like two days ago saying I got to do a seminar for for work. Uh, you know, you want to record later in the day, or you just want to fly solo and do that episode you've always wanted to do, talking about how R two D two is the most powerful being in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> and all I got back from Pat was, I got it. <laughs> it's like all right, <laughs> clearly and I called, did. Did Ray actually play the other side, or did he just agree with you? No, we'll Ray played the other, the other side. side. Oh, I'm gonna have to listen to this then. Okay, I'll hold. I'll hold judgment till then. I'll, I'll hold judgment till. Then. I should have listened this morning. I didn't. I didn't make there, breakfast, there was, so I missed. There it. was a lot of. There was a lot of. I see your point, but that oh. that would that was generally the 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 rebuttal. So I just love. So I just love the disdain, Tony, that you seem to have over the R two D two argument. It's a fun I, argument to have. Listen, I'm just gonna do this. Okay. Anyhow. <laughs> Anyhow. I will listen. I will, listen. I, I, I will I save it. You got you you all should listen, but you need to do it on Chair Shot Radio. Listen to the Chair Shot Radio broadcast because that's where I put my argument forth. And I want to make sure that you listen to Chair Shot Radio every day of the week, bright and early, 6 a.m. Hop on, listen to some chair shot radio anyway. And you can hear all about why I argued that low key R2D2 is the most powerful being in the star Wars universe. Nothing low key about your argument, sir. That was a pretty high key argument. (laughs) Thank thank you very much, Ray cash getting my back, but Dave, we're going to need some banjo music as we go into the park. We're going to the trailer park. I look forward. Oh boy. I'm glad that made the recording. Oh my we have a variety of tunes to, or a variety of trailers to go over. But before we do that, Dave's already yeehawed. Let's get it played. Now that we've gotten that pleasantry out of the way, I I shared three. No, I shared four. I lied. I shared four. Um, and it's a variety of different stuff. We've got a couple of things that are for families. We've got a Star Wars trailer. But I let off with a bonkers. It's not even really a trailer that I shared with you all for an upcoming Netflix film called America the Motion Picture. 
which is a tongue-in-cheek retelling of American history from the creators of the television show Archer. Now, all that you see in this trailer, loyal listener, if you go to the Netflix page, is George Washington on a, a boat, I'm assuming crossing the Potomac, Delaware. with or the Delaware, sorry. I, I wasn't a history Nobody guy. wants to cross the Potomac, Pat. Just, just say it. <laughs> no, that, that is true. You know what's funny is uh, thank you, thank you, thank you uh, for for pointing out my poor public education. But it's this group of re envisionings of various American historical figures with a cast of just some terrific voice actors, including Channing Tatum voicing George Washington, Olivia Munn voicing Thomas Edison. They're they're oh, it, it just it's they took they took Paul Revere and made him a RoboCop centaur cyborg thing. There's a pissed off Geronimo or Geronimo. There's a beer loving bro, Sam Adams. It looks bonkers. And if you really want to check it out, there's also a sizzle reel um, with their summer movie previews on Netflix that you look at, but you're going to check out a lot of other stuff. There's the go. There's a ghost of Abraham Lincoln. Where, where, why, why, why <laughs> Betsy Ross is, is sitting there like dressed like the statue of Liberty. It's crazy. And it comes out on June 30th. If you've ever watched a minute of Archer, you know, this is going to be good, good stuff. Tony, I'm going to start with you because you generally are, are a smart fellow. What are your thoughts on a messed up version of American history oh it's gonna be brilliant i think people are gonna flock to this i think it's gonna i think it'd be hard to call it a cult following because i think it's gonna be a one gigantic cult of people that are ready for something like this it's funny because if you want to go back and and watch what we have out there or what you know where is that at again um i got it off of io9.com but it's not like the netflix twitter feed has all that information it's basically a still shot with just a plethora of major names coming across the board. So you can't not help, but be interested. I, I can't wait. I, I hope it's something we review. Ray, what do you think? It's going to be great. It's coming right in time for the 4th of July. It's, you know, we, we could all use some satire in our lives at this point. I think it's going to be great. Everybody involved is hilarious. And it, calls back to a, a cult classic of mine that I love, Team America. It just feels mm -hmm. like with actual American people. So, you know, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a blast. And Archer is great, so I know they're going to be great. Sam Adams going to be vomiting in an alley for five minutes? <laughs> Dave, I think I heard a fuck yeah in there somewhere. I thought uh, for but, sure uh, we were going to get a Fern Gully reference from Ray for the first time on a Sunday, but, you know, or, or Tuesday. Oh, it's coming, day. baby. I know it's coming. It's yeah, it's I, coming. I mean, I, <laughs> the guys who are doing Archer are retelling American history. Uh, yeah, that that that's going to be just off the wall and and crazy. I mean, it, yeah, you, you don't get a lot from from what you, what you got, but the cast and just how they're portraying this looks like it's going to be something just completely batshit crazy. And yeah, sign me up. Now, has anybody here around the table? Have any of you all seen episodes of Archer? Have you ever checked this show out? 
Mm-hmm. See, seeing some nods. So I, I got to confess, I know it is a quite popular show. I think I've seen like 30 seconds of an episode. Should I invest the time? I'm seeing nods. Why should I invest the time, Ray? Because it's hilarious. And it's I, you, from what I know about you, you're, very, you're a person that is very, that enjoys and very intrigued by and not only entertaining, but clever content. Arch is one of the smartest, cleverly funny shows you'll see. I'll put it to you this way. I think it's okay. DP thinks it's hilarious. And I think you're a lot closer to DP than you are to me. Okay. All right. I will I will have to invest in the FX account, I think. Isn't there right? they're, they're an FX program? Yeah. Is that, is that Archer? So I'll have to see if I can find it on stream. And I'll check it out. I got a little bit of dead time until Loki hits. So... It'll we be on Hulu. This. You can find it on Hulu, I'm sure, because FX has is connected with Hulu. If you already have Hulu, it's true. Hulu has live sports, not uh-huh. just a <laughs> lifestyle. There you go. All right. So our next trailer that that we put out here, Disney slash Pixar. Is this a Pixar one, Ray? I'm not sure. It is Pixar. We yes, get, sir. We got a new trailer, which means the front runner for best animated feature at the Oscars has now been been put out there for everybody to check out it's a film titled luca seems to be uh you know just based on what you can see out of the trailer and ray i'll let you go first on this one to talk about it a little bit but it looks like it is a pair of uh, there's an undersea uh, group of undersea creatures that uh two young ones explore the surface world and it looks like an island off of i'm assuming italy like maybe sicily or something like that Mediterranean, uh, yeah yeah, it's the Mediterranean, and so it looks like it's very much embracing uh, of those cultural touch points. But, um, I mean, it's Pixar, so we're going to watch, Ray. Tell us what, what brought you into this. Why did you share this trailer with the bandwagon? It is very clearly and literally a fish-out-of-water story. Um, I think Pixar doesn't miss. Pixar does not miss. Uh, even if even if it's a movie that's not great. things? Look, man, there's some planes has redeeming qualities. It's not the best. <laughs> Dane Cook has redeeming quality. The second planes is really good. I, I enjoy the planes fire and rescue personally. The first planes, you can miss me with that. Um, but no, Pixar really doesn't miss. And this is their first movie after Soul. Um, but no, it is I, I enjoy the idea of showing other cultures. I am, I'm not saying I'm skeptical, but this feels a lot like I felt it felt when Wally came out. The trailers didn't intrigue me, and then I watched the movie, and I'm absolutely blown away. I feel like there's a lot more that they're not showing in the trailers, but I think it's going to be really good. The buddy-buddy aspect of the brothers, um, the aspect of the people who are not in the water, I guess, hating fish and then being fish. I think it's going to be really cute, really sweet. And, of course, you know, as a father of two young adults, tweeners, I can't. I, we're gonna watch this first day. So, um, but it's, I think I, I, I think it's gonna be really, really good. It, it may not be the. We might not say it's, you know, Inside Out or First Cars or nothing. But it's, I think it's gonna be really good. It's not Toy Story. But it's gonna be enjoyable. David Ungar, you say it's not Toy Story, but you don't know. And with Disney Pixar, Facts. you just don't know what you're going to get. Like I said with Wally, nobody knew Wally was going to be good by the trailers, right. but, but it you, was fantastic. And you hit on the most important part. Pixar and Disney don't make bad movies. They, I, I have yet to see, I mean, even Planes, if you're not 
charged up completely about that. I get it, but it's not like it's a bad movie. So they don't make bad movies. And I, I don't, I mean, this one's got a unique kind of a, a little bit of a Little Mermaid-ish sort of tone to it, uh, mixed in with whatever else is going on in Sicily or Italy or someplace. I don't know where it is. But yeah, I mean, I mean, if it's a follow-up, you know, the first movie after Soul and, and just based on Disney Pixar's legacy and their reputation, I'm definitely going to check it out because I, I just don't see them making movies that I leave there saying, wow, that was a waste of an hour and a half or two hours of my life. It, it's never happened. Not with planes, not with anything that, that I, I've ever watched from them where I said, you know, there's two hours of my life. I'll never get back. I never say that with Disney Pixar. So I, I'm intrigued. Sure. Let, let's see what, see what they got. And um, they're very good at creating new experiences and telling different stories that feel familiar, but then end up being not so familiar at the end. So yeah, it'll be it'll be it look it looks very promising. It's it looks better than Cars too. I like Cars too, but you know, eh. I I think the two of you have pretty much said it all already. I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing it. The the preview looked great. I don't think this is the next great animated film, but I don't think it's going to be shit on by critics at all. So I think you're going to find it somewhere in the upper middle echelon of animated storytelling. That's fair. Yeah, more. I, I got kind of an onward vibe out of it, if if that makes sense. If I if I were to if I were to put it put a an analysis on it, I will say though, uh, I did love the Vespa jokes that that I did saw the guy the guy riding around on the Vespa. That's that's on point and works for me. So of course it's Pixar. Pixar. Of course it's Disney. We're gonna watch it. And then that brings me to a, a, what I didn't realize was a DC trailer when I shared it with you and then was like, oh, this is a DC comic. And that is a trailer for the Netflix series, the upcoming Netflix series, Sweet Tooth. I, I'm not even complaining. Tony. Tony, like, I, like, I just had no idea. Like, I'd never heard of this comic before. Um, and, and I guess I'll start with that. Like, it's, it's this world where there's, like, hybrid animal-human people and they're – there's this young there's this young child hybrid that's been like living with their with like living in secret with like their father or somebody because there's folks out to hunt them down and that's really all I know about what I saw out of this trailer. So Dave, I want to turn to you. Help me make sense of Sweet Tooth. <laughs> I'm not sure I, I can um it, it is a DC property. It's not from the prime DC line of oh. of uh, uh of you know Superman, Batman, Watchmen, sort of thing. It is like, I don't know, Vertigo. Shaq's not going to come along and like blow him up. Right. Yeah. You know, exactly. I mean, it's from the like the Vertigo line or something similar to that. I I don't know a whole lot about it other than what reviews I read from probably like six, eight months ago when I first heard about this. That uh, it's a very highly praised and and critically well received comic from what I understand. But yeah, I'm like you, Pat. I, I don't know whether. We're living in a world where where there's these half breeds that are, are, are permeating, or whether this is a mutation in the very first of these types of mutations, where you've got this kid with antlers and and just everything that he goes through. But you know, Netflix doesn't really. I, I mean, if Netflix is taking this on and they seem to be taking this seriously, and Netflix doesn't have a, a you know, in this day and age where everything DC is going to HBO Max. For Netflix to get this property at this time, I think they're probably going to take it pretty seriously and really put forth a good product. So I'm I'm excited because I've heard 
lots of really good things about this comic, you know, and, and the run that it's had and just the characterization and, and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but as far as what it's about, I don't know a whole lot more than you do. And the trailer only gives you a few glimpses of what might be going on, what might be happening. So it, it looks very intriguing. And if it, if it's coming from DC and it's one of DC's subsidiary, more, I don't know, you, you know, out there kind of story arcs and, and, and publishers and lines that they do, I have a really good feeling this is going to be a an excellent show to check out. When you listen to the trailer, they kind of talk a little bit more about the storyline in the fact that the people that are inheritant of whatever universe we're living in here, they want to know what came first, these hybrids, because apparently this isn't the only one, or there's a virus that's going around as well. So they're trying to figure out what came first, hybrids or the virus. So that's part of the main part of the storyline. Hey, what do you got? So my first thought was disappointment because I thought it was Sweet Tooth from Twisted Metal. And I've been wanting to see that done <laughs> in some capacity for 25 years. So the first, that's my first thought. When I got into it, I need a little more. Me back to drinking with that comment. <laughs> I need a little more. I need to. I need to see more. I need to know more. I think there's enough there for uh, some intrigue, but. Movies are different than TV shows to me because I can pop a movie on. I'm, I want to have them done. For me to really commit to a TV show, I got to care about something about it and it needs to catch me within the first couple of of uh, episodes. That's the reason why I haven't seen all the Breaking Bad or Game of Thrones because it took a, it takes a while for them to get started and I'm out because I need to watch it in sequential order. I'm going to carry it on, but I got a question for Dave real quick. Could this, and especially if this works, be the lead-in to them possibly doing a visual tv version of fables oh i would love i want i want a visual tv version of fables well, please and here's yeah. here's something i just was looking it up this is a vertigo comics so it did come from vertigo so you know these are the same guys who published uh v for vendetta and gotcha. Tran- trans metropolitan I, and was was fables was that a vertigo i don't remember probably i think i think they're the same only because i don't know but i i this is a stupid connection <laughs> but the Batman Telltale games are fables made from them, and they bought them from the same group. So I always assumed Fables was part of the Telltale game. Of, really? of DC. Did you just assume I wouldn't know what the hell Fables was? No, I knew like, you would. No, I'm no, saying I'm no, talking about I'm, Telltale because you asked Dave. Like, thought we replaced Dave on, on Chair Shot Radio on Sunday. That's right. I forgot we're best friends now. My bad. I just know Dave yeah, has bloviated about you Fables. David Ungar about Fables. You don't David think I don't know? No. Hey, me and you have been best friends forever. Yeah, me and Tony are best friends. You guys can have your own little relationship. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> I, isn't there a rumor about Fables being turned into a series, though? I think that's been circulating been, for a while. There's been a rumor about Fables as a series, I think, for about as long as the damn comic has existed. Like, Like, I remember when Once Upon a Time... Mm-hmm. showed up on abc and people were like oh this is gonna be like fables and then it was awful and not like fable yet full disclosure saw that thing through to the end watched every episode waiting not, for not waiting for geppetto to be the uh the arch enemy and it never happens <laughs> no 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 he wasn't he was not the asshole and uh, that was unfortunate 
but to get back to your point, Ray, I, I, anything's possible right now with with uh, you know with Vertigo gone now and everything being kind mm-hmm. of merged in. You've got a lot of intellectual properties that they had their fingers in, and, and some hugely iconic comics. I mean, V for Vendetta had a whole damn movie made about it, and and I mean, okay, yeah, the movie did not capture the comics. Let's not kid ourselves, but it, it was still it was still fun to watch. But I. Yeah, I mean, anything's possible if they want to use this as a introductory kind of a flashpoint to get some other properties in there, go for it. But I, I, I don't know if they've got that planned. But it is it is cool to me, the fact that Netflix has got this property in the world where HBO Max has grabbed everything DC, that this outlier is out there. And real quick, Fables is a DC comic. It's Vertigo also. Right. There you go. So, but I'm just thinking because you just the world is opening up. If you see these hybrid people, then it, it's just another way to kind of get our minds ready for that kind of world. I'm just I put them together in my mind. No, it's fair. It, it does have a similar aesthetic, right? Like it has a good look. Uh, that's it's very much in sort of keeping with that fables universe, though they are separate entities. Like they're not connected. Ray, you mentioned this when you were talking about what it takes to get you into a TV series. And yes. I'm going to harken back to a conversation that we had when recording chair shot radio, because our next trailer mm-hmm. and because it's May the 4th and is drop and the show is dropping on May the 4th on Disney plus the bad batch was our final trailer that we're going to talk to talk about today. And I told you on chair shot radio, you got to watch Clone Wars. And yeah. this is the first series where I would argue it's probably really important to watch Clone Wars or watch another series to kind of have a full grasp of this series. Because Clone mm-hmm. Wars is a, or I'm sorry, The Bad Batch is a spinoff of the Clone Wars animated series on Disney, in which a group of clones that are so far down the process of with this degenerative DNA have developed their own sort of personalities that are outside of the realm of um, following orders and being good soldiers for the Clone Wars. And so they're put into their own little unit and are, are sort of outcasts amongst the clones. And at the end of the Clone Wars series, you don't really know what's, what becomes of a lot of the clones. Uh, You always hear things like the clone program was decommissioned. Well, what we're learning is these clones were still out there and that the empire has determined that they needed to be, and specifically Grand Moff Tarkin has determined that these clones need to be chased down and, and destroyed. And that, that is going to be the launching point for this new series. Put the trailer out there, uh, real quick. Dave, is Dave froze? Did we lose Dave, or I'm, is he just holding that I'm pose? Here. I'm here. Oh, it's just it's, it's like you're very pensive. <laughs> no, the video the videos froze, but I'm still here. All right. Well, let's see. I think everybody. I I'll kick off my my thoughts on the club. I can, I'm looking forward to this show, uh, and it's solely on the strength of coming around and watching the Clone Wars and getting so sucked into that program i i regret that i didn't watch them when they were first run and that series has led to so much 
out of modern Star Wars mythology. It's why we have Ahsoka Tanel. It's why we have the Bad Batch. It's why we know what happened. It, it follows up on the story of Darth Maul. Like Darth Maul survived the Phantom Menace and shows up in the Clone Wars. There's just all of this stuff that is built out of the Clone Wars series. And because of that, and the Bad Batch was one of them, that's put me into this place where I'm like, I'm going to watch this show. I'm going to, I'm going to every, every Saturday morning when I wake up with the, with a little O'Dowd, we're going to watch Mighty Ducks Game Changers and we're going to watch the Clone Wars. And that's going to be our Saturday mornings because it, it looks good. It looks fun. There's some intriguing characters, but some familiar faces as well. And so sign me up. I am in. Ray, you're thumbs upping. What are you, are you going to check out the Bad Batch? Oh, I am, but I was thumbs upping Mighty Ducks Game Changers because it's oh, a fantastic okay. television show. But I am excited about the Bad Batch for one reason. Well, not one reason, but one particular thing uh, draws me to the Bad Batch, and that's Mandalorian. I know there's no connection, but Mandalorian has absolutely opened my mind and grown my 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 hunger and thirst for Star Wars content. I am insatiated at this point. I need more. And uh, and it's funny because I refused, I refused to watch season one of Mandalorian until you guys told me. And then once I watched season one, instantly season two, I was like, I got to be in it. And so I've, I, I'm, the show has completely changed a lot of my thought processes about what could be possible in the Star Wars universe that would make me interested. So you see Bad Batch, the, 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 um, the trailers look really good hearing the backstory about it. I don't ever remember seeing Clone Wars advertised when it was out. But Disney Channel. I re- yeah, Disney XD. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but in following all this stuff that Disney's been putting out for Marvel, for Star Wars, for Pixar, for Disney themselves, Nat Geo, seeing it kind of grows that excitement and that intrigue. And also... I'm hungry for content, you know, so I'm definitely into it. I'm definitely excited and I will go back and watch the Clone Wars. That is a promise. Excellent. Excellent. Dave, are you going to check out the Bad Batch? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's I haven't seen all the Clone Wars. I've seen enough of it. I know a lot about the stories. I know at the end of Clone Wars, there was a lot of, uh, you know, once Order 66 got executed and there were a lot of the clones had removed the inhibitor chip, had figured out ahead of time that something was up. And so there's a whole side story involving those clones who got out of there before Palpatine gave the order. Um, and this group seems to be more along those lines. Either the inhibitor chip didn't work or I don't know what happened with them. But yeah, I mean, the fact that you've got a, a group of clones who thinks independently and does their own thing and are kind of more seemingly from the trailer, a little bit more of like mercenaries than they are affiliated with the Empire or the Republic. Uh that that leads to some fascinating possibilities. So yeah, I'm definitely going to check it out. Yeah, it seems like they're on the run, right? Like they're on the run and yet they're mercenaries at the same time. So I I am definitely looking forward to that. I think it's a terrific way to to be in keeping with this Star Wars expanded universe. And when we talk about um, the article you shared with us uh, in the second half of the show, Dave, uh, I'm going to expand on this part of part of what you said, Ray. And what I really have wanted to see is an expansion away from the core Star Wars movies and a lot of the characters within yep. the Star Wars movies. And this yep. 
is a further expansion of the Star Wars universe as a universe. It's the same reason why I'm enjoying Star Wars Rebels right now. Mm-hmm. And that they exist in this universe, but it's not about, say, the Skywalkers. You, that's you exactly think what it, I was going to say. Yeah, go ahead. Do you think at some point they'll find a character out of something like this where they can build another trilogy on? Is that the goal? Or like, I hope you know, so. like, not, not necessarily in the forefront of their minds while creating these kind of things, but on the back burner, whoever's kind of got the big picture in mind you should really be paying attention to someone that they could do that again with, which that's what I'm looking forward to. Something like that coming out of something like this. I think, I think you're onto something there, Tony. I think that, yeah, and it's just, you don't know who's going to really resonate with folks like in, and like Ahsoka to know, I think they knew it was going to be a big deal when they created that character for clone wars and then it moved forward. But I don't know that they anticipated, her being the character she became like, she's somebody you could build a film franchise around. She's getting her own show. Like she's getting her own series on Disney plus to deal with grand Admiral Thrawn. And that, that I I'm excited about it. I think it'll be terrific, but yeah, I, I think they are looking for the next big trilogy that, you know, again, can, can tell a new story that doesn't focus around one. Fa- I, I'd love for a trilogy that had nothing to do with Jedi. The Jedi are there. But they aren't the focal point. It's part of what makes Solo pretty good. Is that Jedi... Like, not that Jedi can't be in the story. But that the story isn't about a Jedi. And so, like, if you look at Clone Wars... Clone Wars is about Anakin and Ahsoka and Obi-Wan and and the Jedi Order. You look at Rebels. Rebels is about... um, Ezra. Ezra and his mentor, voiced by Freddie Prince Jr., of all people. Um... And even the newest Star Wars trilogy, it's about um, Rey and and those Skywalker. Yeah, yeah, and and so it's not that I don't want Jedi because they're they're the fabric of the Star Wars universe. But part of the reason why I love the Mandalorian is Jedi are are there, like the Force are there, but they're not the story. And that's what I want. I want characters that are new and that they're not the story because we were told there's so much more out there. I, I, and, I hope they find that character. And to Tony's point, I'm looking at the list of all the announced Star Wars properties coming up. The only one that doesn't, I mean, and I'm the least knowledgeable Star Wars fan here, but that doesn't immediately seem to have a a, a character that's already been established is this show called The Acolyte. That's coming out in uh, probably in two years. But other than that, we got Bad Batch, Book of Boba Fett, Mandalorian Season 3, Ahsoka, Rangers of the New Republic, Andor, Obi-Wan. Like, all these other shows are already in the actual world. So, to your point, Tony, it's probably got to come from the Acolyte, or they got to create something new. Out, but, out the blue and just sell it on the backs of Star Wars. But here's the thing, is you can use the existing characters that are so beloved to launch other characters. Ahsoka is a perfect example because her relationship with Anakin is what drove her popularity and the complexity of her relationship with Anakin, who was her, she was his apprentice and, and, you know, he trained her everything. And then in, I think it's in rebels, right? Pat, where the whole scene where Ahsoka fights Darth Vader 
and Ezra kind of sacrifices himself for. I mean, that is one of the most powerful things in the entirety of the Star Wars universe to watch. And and so you can right. use you can use the existing characters to to further maybe not launch, but to further some of these ancillary characters like an Ahsoka Tano or or like Mandalorian or Grogu and how he ties into Luke and and and, and a lot of that sort of stuff. Creating a homegrown, completely new character with no ties to anything that we've seen in Star Wars is going to be tricky. Not impossible, but it's tricky. So I, I'm, I'm kind of like, if they want to, you know, piggyback off of some of the, you know, more established characters and then have them go off in a different direction from there, great. I'm all for it. Uh, let me let me counter that with Star Wars Rebels, in that Star Wars Rebels doesn't start with any connection to the original characters. They are a group that is part of the rebellion. Ezra is found in the very first episode by this group, and then the connections come later. So you can you can engineer it the other way, and it's not that you can't have connections to the universe we're all familiar with. It's it's just kind of how you put them into play and how you make it so. Um, and so I think you can re- you can reverse engineer it. You can have it where somebody's a focal point and they get a spinoff. Like there's a lot of ways you can do it. The Mandalorian is the same way. The Mandalorian mm-hmm. has no direct Star Wars character ties, and we get them later, right? You have you have the remnants of the Empire, and and that's about it. But there's no there's no Han Solo. There's like we don't get Luke Skywalker till the end of season two, in a cameo. Like it's a it's a dope cameo, but it's a cameo. And you don't get Ahsoka so. till midway through season two. And, and Grogu, yeah, he looks like Yoda, but he's not. That's the only connection to anything we were familiar with in that seat. In that first, well, okay, the Mandalorian armor, you know that. Okay, that I get it's that. Not, it's not Boba Fett. Like the character himself is not is not Boba Fett, and we don't know anything about Mandalorians when we when we re- like really you don't unless you've watched other stuff. Tell very, you, a thought. very, very powerful cameo. Yes, it is a very, very powerful camera. Still not as powerful as R2-D2. But anyway, oh, yeah, I did it. I saw where you were going, and I'm going to push back. I think that'll put a bow on the trailer park. I got one more thing I want to talk about before we take a quick commercial break. That is some casting news out of the DC Universe, as it was announced this week that we have cast a Green Lantern for the upcoming HBO Max Super Cop series. But is it John Stewart? Is it Hal Jordan? Is it Kilowog? No, sir. It is the douchiest of douchebag Green Lanterns out there, Guy Gardner. It was announced this week that Finn Wittrock from American Horror Story has been tapped to play classic Green Lantern Guy Gardner in this upcoming Super Cops Hero series. As a DC novice who knows just enough to know that a lot of people hate Guy Gardner and that he's a douche and a jerk face, I'm going to turn it over to Ray and Dave, who are way more excited about this. And Ray, kick us off. Why should I be excited about Finn Wittrock being tapped to play Guy Gardner? And why should I give a shit about Guy Gardner in a show? Well, first, let's talk about Guy Gardner. Um, Guy Gardner is a grade A classic piece of shit person, but he is there. Think about what it takes to be a lantern. You 
everything about being a lantern, it, it, it involves, you think it involves being good, but it's not. It's just invo- having indomitable will, right? But, and ultimately, as m- Guy Gardner got Batman to beat his ass. Well, let's take take it a step further, Ray. Guy Gardner routinely pisses off Superman. If you're getting under Superman's skin, you're a dude. Something wrong with you. You're a dude. Yes. But he's always on their side doing the right things when it calls for it. And when you have, especially episodic television like this, you need somebody like that to carry the the story. No no offense to any of the other Lanterns. Some of the newer ones are, are really multifaceted, but I mean, how... And John Stewart and even Alan Scott, old school, like Kyle Rayner, they're cool people. But Guy Gardner is by and large the most intriguing, um, um, at least from this sector, uh, Lantern possible. Now, in terms of Finn Whitrock, I don't know if you've ever watched American Horror Story. Yes. That man, he has one of the most punchable faces you'll ever see. And he plays an, an, a fantastic douche, better than most people I know. And most importantly... He got that square jaw that Guy Gardner has. He just needs to bulk up a little bit, but I think he's the perfect guy to be that aggravating, grating character that Guy Gardner is. Dave, what do you got to add? Well, from the standpoint of of the casting news and and everything that Ray just said, absolutely nothing because Ray hit it on the head. I'm just, from the standpoint of a Green Lantern series coming to HBO Max, because it was, what, several episodes ago, Ray, you and I did a comic spotlight on Green Lantern. I forget who yep. the other one was. Um, but, you know, we were talking about characters that needed to be redeemed. It might have been Sp- that Spider-Man episode. It was Green Lantern and Spider-Man. I think it was Lantern and Spider-Man, yeah. yeah. And Spider-Man got redeemed. He needed to be redeemed after the Andrew Garfield situation. And he did with the Tom Holland movies. And Green Lantern is a character that, as we noted, needs to be redeemed very badly. Because no, not mm-hmm. Ryan Reynolds' fault. But just the story was just bullshit. So mm-hmm. you've got one of the most pop, you know, one of the most powerful cores in the entire DC universe, and they're going to wrap a show around that and potentially do Hal Jordan correctly, do John Stewart correctly. Guy Gardner mm-hmm. is perfect because, yeah, he is like you said, Ray. When you think of Green Lantern, he doesn't jump out at you with the qualities of a Green Lantern, maybe a Yellow Lantern. Nope. Maybe a Red Lantern, you know, something like that. But he could possibly be a Red Lantern. Yes, that's a good point. But but you Did know, you, is really is this like a traffic light, like uh, green, yellow, red? No, they're well, yeah. eh, kind of. We could we could have that joke, but it's true. It is the spectrums of the rainbow. Yes. Yeah, he's not a Blue Lantern because he's still alive. Although he probably gets resurrected <laughs> in Blackest Night. I don't know, but it, it's it's um. It's great that they're going to introduce the Green Lantern Corps because we're supposed to be getting a movie about the Corps right around this time when they first started to talk about the DC Universe. And now you're going to get it in, 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 a, in a, you know, storytelling as periodic as series that we're going to see them really develop this Corps and, and the various personalities like Jessica Cruz is probably going to be in there as well. And Jessica and Simon are in it. Yes. Yeah, Simon and that's, Bass I'm, I'm is really in it. glad you bring that up. Yeah. Cause the, so you, the movie can still be the main guys, sure. but you can do the secondary guys on the show. Look, if they, if they do this right and they build to the Sinestro core war as the movie, take my money. Uh, no one, I won't complain one bit if they build up to that. So yeah, Guy Gardner is an important part of the green lantern core. He is an asshole. Like I said, got Batman to beat his ass, pisses off Superman all the time. You're pissing off the the one and two in the DC universe. You're probably doing something wrong. But 
at the same time, Guy Gardner is kind of a microcosm of those two characters we just talked about. He's more on the Batman side of thing. He gets annoyed with the Boy Scoutishness of people like Hal Jordan, <laughs> Kyle Rayner, and that sort of thing. And he tends to revolt. So as far as the casting, I defer to Ray, but I'm just thrilled that we've got Green Lantern happening on HBO Max, and, and they're developing it, and it's coming along at this pace. So, yeah, I, it's it's very exciting for people like me who love Green Lantern. There there have been so many Green Lanterns in this sector, and in general, but especially in this sector, that you need stuff like this to flesh them out. Every, everybody who's a somewhat of a of a of a diehard comic fan knows who Hal Jordan and John Stewart are. Save them for the big screen. That's great. But so many people that are so so many other lanterns that are interesting. Guy Gardner. Simon Bass is a is a is a Pakistani Muslim guy who's been persecuted all his life and carries a gun with him. Jessica Cruz has such bad her she, uh, her, uh, her, her, guns. her anxiety is so bad. That if she leaves her house, that's a win for her. And she's a lantern. That these are people you can flesh out in these shows and save the big names for the movies. And if you can put them in concert and lead to a Sinestro War or lead to Blackest Night or something, and, and you got all the money there, bro. That's that's a billion-dollar franchise waiting. Yeah, and they're going to make uh, who Alan Scott. I've heard that they're going to turn him into a secretly gay individual, you know, which is going to kind of expand upon that so they're going in that direction and that's that's all fine and great isn't kyle gay kyle i thought he was but they're going with alan instead i don't know okay okay you know so so let it not be said that i won't let ray and dave talk forever and ever and ever about dc comics thanks Uh, thanks, pat you have a commercial break to get to as you uh as you (laughs) you keep going here the show is only supposed to be around two hours long and I see Tony falling asleep watching the Brewers game. So we are going to take a quick commercial break because this is May the 4th. This isn't Green Lantern Day. This is Star Wars Day. And so we're going to spend the second half of the show talking about some Star Wars news bites. But before we do that, we got to take we got to take a quick break. It is my duty to remind you all that if you like what we're doing over here on the ChairShot Radio Network, if you like what we're doing here on Bandwagon Nerds, to get yourself over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot and buy a shirt. We have all kinds of great shirts for people to choose from, whether you want something that just represents the OG chair shot logo or the show itself. You can get yourself a bandwagon nerd shirt. We have sayings and phrases from various programs, including hashtag journalism, save tag team wrestling. Everyone hates Greg. All of them. They're there. And it helps us keep putting out quality content for all of you. So. Get over there, prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot. You can get a shirt in standard style for 20 bucks, or if you're feeling fancy and want something nice on your giblets, spend a little bit extra and get it soft style. Again, that's prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot. When we come back, we're going to do everything Star Wars, Star Wars conversations. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Star Wars all day. You're listening to Bandwagoners on the ChairShot Radio Network, part of the ChairShot.com. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. 
Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to hero.co to shop today. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. Go to powerslam.tv, promo code ChairShot. Get your free month. Again, that's powerslam.tv, promo code ChairShot. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Coming soon to the ChairShot.com, a special series, the Total Package Series. Myself and Rance break down each wrestler in WWE according to 10 categories, looking to find the top wrestler with the Total Package. Join me and Carl Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Central Time for the Total Package Series, only on TheChairShot.com. Always use your that is the greatest commercial on all the chair shot i'm just saying man but bray i got a question yes sir who's the top i can't tell you on on there <laughs> if you want to know i'll hit me up personally i'll tell you after I, that I, but i, I can't I, tell you on air you gotta right. listen to hey, it hey, every so wednesday on the chairshot.com getting seduced by ray cash on the commercial break, no longer coming soon. Well, I mean, he might be coming soon. I'm not sure. First episode dropped <laughs> well, already. Wait, are we? Oh, like, what wow. are we talking about here? First episode did drop. That was not a Wednesday sex chat line commercial. No, no, that was Ray Cash's new show, The Total Package Podcast, airing a limited series run with you and your buddy Kyle. Carl. Carl, Kyle, Carl. I, sponsored I, look, by, I call them. I get them messed up all the time on air. Looking at them both. Don't feel sponsored bad. by sbabes.com. Just, just saying, right? <laughs> all right. Now, now that we, now, now that we've done everything to ruin Ray's show, let's talk about what got us to the dance today. Here it is, May the fourth. We're gonna do a little Star Wars talk today. We got a couple of news bites that have hit. I'm going to flip the order on everybody because I figured let's go to negative town first in talking about Star Wars before we talk a little bit uh, of Ewan McGregor and some speculative stuff that Dave threw out there with Star Wars. But I wanted to just everything Star Wars. And so earlier in the week, I had shared in the Bandwagon Nerds chat an article that was posted on io9.com, my go-to for, for most of our news, reporting that Neil Gaiman, Chuck Wendig, and more – we're uniting to make Disney pay royalties 
And I'm just going to read the first uh, first paragraph of the article to everybody to kind of give you some content. So late last year, a guy named Alan Dean Foster, who was the novelist who wrote the first Star Wars novels, so the the novelizations of the films, and ghost wrote and the ghost written novelization of A New Hope, and its direct sequel, Splinter of the Mind's Eye, went public with his struggles to negotiate a royalty contract for his work since Disney took ownership of Lucasfilm. Although Foster's fight is nearing an end, more writers are asking the company to honor contracts for studios they've purchased. So basically what, according to authors, is happening is that when Disney overtook a couple of these franchises, took over stewardship of a couple of these franchises, most notably Star Wars, obviously Marvel, and started pumping out all this content based on not just the film franchises that they were playing and airing, but also some of this other written content. For example, a Grand Admiral Thrawn, who comes from a Timothy Zahn novels. It sounds like some authors aren't getting the royalties that they deserve for their intellectual property. So, Dave, I'm going to turn it over to the lawyer, because you're the lawyer. Is Disney in some hot water here? They gonna be settling a lot. First off, a couple of disclaimers here. <laughs> the first one is no, no, that everything that David Ungar says is true, and you should take it to the bank. No, Go yeah. sue everybody it's and be like fact, David the lawyer. The opposite of that, I, you know, uh, trademark, copyright, intellectual property law is not what I do. So take that with a grain of salt. Second, the opinions of one Dave Unger does not necessarily reflect the opinions of bandwagon nerds as a whole or the Chairshot.com. There you go, Tony. You've been protected. Now, with that being said, I think Disney's got some problems if this is what they are doing, where if you have a contract with somebody, let's say these authors such as Neil Gaiman has a contract with whoever previously owned this, and it, it spells out here's what your royalties are for each time this is sold, this is used, X, Y, and Z, whatever, uh, and Disney acquired that contract when they bought out whoever you know they bought out the world uh they that contract as far as i know i mean it would obviously depend on the terms of what the new contract says and whether they specifically address these outlying contracts that they had but generally when you when you do something like that the the contracts get assigned to the new contract holder so the rights would transfer over with them and and, and just because disney buys like one comment i read in that article was was right on point you don't simply just buy the assets and the obligations and liabilities go by the wayside. You incur that as well, unless you specifically do away with that and specifically address it. So if they got it and they are making money off this intellectual property that was created by these other people who had a deal with Lucasfilm or uh, book publishers or whoever for royalties and Disney is now using that their intellectual property. And making money off that, yeah, there that's a problem for sure. You know, you don't you can't use somebody else's intellectual property, no matter how big of a corporation you are, and say, Oh, you know, you don't get it. That's why Disney's got a deal with Marvel. That's why Disney's got a deal with Star Wars or Lucasfilm, because they've addressed that sort of thing. But underneath the surface, there could be all these ancillary agreements that Disney's like, ah oh, shit, we didn't even think about that or didn't even know about it. So yeah, I think Disney's got some problems. I know this one case, they've handled it very privately. 
to keep it out of the public sector. There is a resolution that they've reached, but that doesn't mean there's not tens of others out there who are in a similar situation who may be looking at this. He's saying, Hey, look, you mentioned fucking grand Admiral Thrawn and the Mandalorian. Timothy Zahn's like, excuse me. Um, you know, they were paying me to use him on clone wars. <laughs> so, uh, what's your excuse? And, and just to be clear, just to be clear, I don't know that Timothy Zahn has, is part of this group of people that said, Hey, I'm doing right. this thing. Exactly. Like, Exactly. Like, no, no one knows. He was just he was just an example that like he got named in the Mandalorian. The character got named in the Mandalorian, which oh, tells me that there's at least intent there. There's like one of these authors, Kevin something or other. He did a shit ton of work on X Wing and Rogue Squadron and all yeah. that sort of stuff. I mean Kevin, I don't think I want to say Kevin Johnson, he's the Phoenix Suns point guard, but something like that. He um but I mean he would have a gripe because now they're bringing in Rogue Squadron to uh, I think they got that one right. series that's coming up about that. So if I'm movie, him, I'm looking. Movie, yeah. Yeah, movie. If I'm him, Patty. I'm saying, "Hey, uh, <laughs> you want to throw some love my way? This is I, I wrote this whole thing." So you know, Disney's got scores of lawyers. They're one of the largest, if not the largest, corporation in the world. I'm sure that they're not taking this lightly. And you know, for them, it's probably a drop in the bucket. Like you know, they're gonna iTunes the shit out of these guys. And say, okay, yeah, you get. Two cents every time somebody mentions Grand Admiral Thrawn. Here you go. Whatever the case is, they 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 need to honor that because typical contract law doesn't indicate that once somebody assumes control of an existing contract, it automatically voids a contract. That's not really how contracts law typically works. So my follow-up question to you is, do you think Disney, when they made the announcement a few, a few years back after obtaining all the property, they made a big statement that everything out of the Star Wars published universe was not canon. Do you think that they were so arrogant as to believe by declaring something not canon, they thought that would be enough to then move forward and start pulling characters? Uh, I don't like. Am I? Am I? Is that just overly simplistic? I, I I don't think it was a way to end run people like this who are in this kind of situation. I think they wanted to get away from the like you guys were talking earlier, the extended universe has got so much to it that you almost need like a, a roadmap to try and filter out and figure out what's real. What's not, what do I need? What do I not need to read? I think they were trying to simplify things. I don't think by them saying, Oh look, your stuff you wrote, it doesn't count. It's not Canon. Great. If, if I'm like one of these authors that fine, it's not Canon, but this agreement here still says that, you know, you need to pay me X amount for each time you use my character's, Name, likeness, or recognition, stealing from the NCAA college football situation. Uh, I think they still have agreements like that that says whether you consider it canon, air quoting or not, doesn't change the fact that it's still my intellectual property that you are using for some purpose. Therefore, pay me. I think they're going to settle a lot of this stuff out of court. none None of this stuff will see a courtroom. Never. Not a chance. No way. It's a PR nightmare for them. They don't need that. Right. And so here's here's the other part of it is because you would be probably more privy to this. Would a settlement then typically say this matter is closed and like you can't bug us for more money ever again? Right. Most most settlements will have some sort of, uh, you know, if you're in California and they're settling some of these cases, a lot of them have in civil cases like they have general release clauses that kind of release right. everybody from liability for stuff that you know or you don't know. For instance, like when I settle cases in workers comp, they will not let us put that general release clause in any workers compensation settlement 
because a lot of the injured workers don't know the extent of their injuries. And, and, and by and large, they can't come back later on and, and say, oh, by the way, I know I settled my, my, my shoulder and my leg and, and my wrist, but you know, now my back's all screwed up. It's like, well, you know, they won't let you just generally release that. But at the same time, when you settle those kind of body parts out, it's harder to come back later on and say, you know, how, how did you not know about this for the last 10 years? You know, that's sort of, they run into that problem. But most of these, most of the civil settlements, which is one like this would be, will have a pretty detailed uh, release agreement in there as far as future liability and what they are actually settling and what the scope of any sort of future claims may or may not be. That's generally in there. I imagine Disney's lawyers will make a, a, a motion to seal or to make the make each settlement confidential, there'll be confidentiality clauses in there so that they can't discuss the terms of it. I am almost positive you will see that on every single one of these. So yeah, in general, they do execute certain things that say, once we settle this, this is a full and final resolution of anything relating to this particular author's claims for royalties to this intellectual property. Again, it's not my strong suit. It's not my area of law, but just sure. in general how they settle things. That's usually how it works. Ray Cash, if Disney were a Green Lantern, would they be create Guy Gardner? Would they create Guy Gardner? Hell no. No, would they, Guy no, would, never they be, be would they be Guy Gardner? No, if Disney were a Green Lantern, they'd be Sinestro. <laughs> 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 um so I'm glad you went today first because the, the the legal legalese of this is just confusing as hell, but from an ignorance standpoint, this is my thoughts on it. This is why there was so much, from I think a lot of standpoints, so much of a bit of a controversy when, when they bought Lucasfilm in general. And not for the movie reasons, but because unlike Marvel, unlike and unlike uh, Pixar, everything under the Star Wars universe wasn't made by Lucasfilm. So you have so many different pots you have to pull from. And to make my point, Stan Lee made the overall majority of most of the core characters of Marvel. He should be a billionaire right now, but he's not. And he only sold X-Men, Mutants, and uh, Spider-Man. He should be rich like crazy, but he's not because those were Marvel products. When Marvel got sold, he got his cut, and he got the legacy million a year. So these other people being involved, I mean, they got a right to their point, but you would hope and think Disney would have known better or did Lucasfilm not disclose in a pertinent manner all of the different handshake and wink and nod deals they had with these other people. And to a point Tony made earlier in the show, will this stop them from wanting to use some of these other stories that came from these tertiary properties and just make their own? I get G General Thrawn is important, but like you said, Rogue Squadron. Excuse me. They made Grand yes, Admiral Thrawn. Grand Admiral. He's not a general. I, he is a Grand Admiral. Thank my you. Bad. So he's so he's in the Navy and not in the Army. My bad. Um, <laughs> Let me get my pocket uh, protector out. The, he's in the village, people. Ray, there, he's in there. Oh, okay. He's one of the ones that still stays. All right. I, but it, it, it good job, by the way, Patrick. Uh, but th these are things that make me wonder, um, because like you said, ultimately, this is a drop in the hat. They could drop 50 million and be done with this. And then it won't even be a drop in the bucket for them. But the PR is important. And sometimes you just don't want the headache, you know, because, you know, if you got to do it, 
if you do it for one, you got to do it for all. And when you're a multi-billion dollar monopoly corporation, who else is going to come scratching at your door saying, hey, well, you know, I created, I was the first person that created the Coke machine that was in the video that, of, that you passed once in this movie. Break me off. I know I'm being facetious, but you never know. Um, I hope they get paid because legitimately if they made the if they made it and they had the agreement, they deserve to get paid. But you gotta get your you gotta get your business in order. And this is one of the rare times Disney didn't have their business in order. And I'm a little surprised. Whatever needs to happen to bring us better storytelling. Thank you. Kevin Anderson is the That's guy's it. name, Pat. That's who it was. Oh, yeah. Good point. It's actually funny because I think uh we I've made fun of him a lot when he's been on the show, we've talked streaming stuff and like he, you know, the, what about the content creator argument that, that Christopher Platt has made? This is a clear cut example of what about the content creators and, and how they're being kind of shipped aside a little bit uh, by, by Disney and by, by Disney plus. So, or by the Disney corporation. And I, I do want to be clear. I'm sure that Disney's not the only company doing this but they have two of the biggest franchises in the world right now and, and so those are the ones that are gonna that that's gonna get some notice and and so that's why why we are where we are but enough about that let's let's talk about some let's speculate a little bit let's have some fun with some speculation so dave this morning pulling the curtain back morning of recording dave shared an article from the entertainment industry's version of the Wrestling Observer, Comic Book News, <laughs> sharing some speculation that Luke Skywalker's clone could be coming back. Dave, what are you talking about? So, yeah, uh, comic book t- got comicbook.com, which I don't think is as oh, bad. Oh, sorry, as- comic book. Oh, I don't bad. think they're as bad as the Observer. I give them more credibility than that. I mean, which isn't saying much, but yeah, there's some speculation that I, I guess there was um there was a a a panel in there's an ongoing Darth Vader series that Marvel has done that there's uh they're telling the story of Vader between Empire Strikes Back Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi right in that sweet spot that we all talk about where he's definitely at odds with Palpatine and he ends up going to the cloning facilities on um what the hell's the play the place huh you know this no, 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 no. The place in oh. right in the, your favorite movie, Rise of Skywalker, that they can only find through the waypoints. Uh, oh God! Um, oh, S S S Exegol, Exegol, Exegol. Yeah. So there's something there that he's Vader's walking by like a bunch of these vats where they're the same sort of thing we saw in Rise of Skywalker, where they're cloning Snoke's or whatever the hell they were, and there's like this hand floating in the in in a thing, and Palpatine's telling them. I can basically clone anything. So the speculation is running wild that they're going to clone an evil version of Luke Skywalker. That's going to be called Luke with like a bunch of extra use. <laughs> it's all fun. Uh, it's all fun. But all uh, of the stuff that they've created and as far as they've gone is spanning worlds and creating entire things. And the name you can best name you come up with is Luke with a couple of use. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I mean, they're talking, but reading this article, yeah, you know, maybe they did. They did use Luke's hand was used in the Thrawn trilogy. We're talking about the Thrawn trilogy, so there you go. What are, what is uh, and, the, and that's Grand Admiral Thrawn. Remember, Grand Admiral Thrawn of 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 of, of the of the galactic 
Navy. Yes. Yeah. I... But Grand Admiral Thrawn was the one who cloned Luke. And uh... let me. Uh, I'm going. So, as I mentioned before, I was recently dubbed a curmudgeon. Studio audience, help me out. Tell the world how I feel about this idea. <laughs> Fuck this stupid ass idea. Fuck it right in the ear, sideways with a sandpaper dildo. Dram it all the way up in there, balls deep, and then bury that shit alive. This is a fucking horrible idea. I'm tired of this. I'm tired. This goes back to what I talked about before. Don't bring a Skywalker back. By the way, did you clutch your pearls, Ray? Was that? I was did. That? I was go? taken aback. That was a little much for me. No, no, I'm done with this. I'm done with stupid clone stories. I'm done. Like you talked about the Grand Admiral Thrawn thing. There were clones after cl- there was a clone of a Jedi that was off somewhere. It was Luke Skywalker. Stop with this dumb stuff. Stop making this about the Skywalkers. Create some new fucking stories it's dumb it's worthless it needs to go away and die while i agree ray while i agree to see the end of the ahsoka first season be her fighting finding finally getting the throne and fighting a fake luke skywalker would be really good television can i tell you what scares me is that they've already retconned that a clone took fucking grogu like I read that article, it's like mother. Okay, stupid question, stupid question, because I don't it remember. Was, remember, it was Luke who took Rogu. Is that is that what you're saying? R- remember, I'm not the I'm not the Star Wars, you know, Jeopardy I, quiz. Yeah, can it. a clone can a clone have access to the Force? Yes. Okay. They've established okay. it's like now some of them have been driven crazy by the Force because you know Force or something, but. Yes, clo- clones can be force sensitive, especially okay. since again, fucking George Lucas messed with his own mythos and made midichlorians, which are these little creatures that exist within people. So even if you make a clone and it's not of nature, fucking midichlorians can be there because reasons. Because George Lucas hates his own work. <laughs> I, sh- yep, that's me shaking the fist at the clown, curmudgeoning away. Damn it! Hmm. Don't ruin my childhood. What do you think, Tony? Clone Luke Skywalker or no? Yeah, I'm all in. Let's do it. Oh. Fuck you, Bob. Fuck you, Bob Odenkirk. <laughs> Not my Skywalker, damn it. Not my Skywalker is right. Hashtag that. What I'm that- in for whatever tells better storylines. That's it. That's all I really care about. I just want a better story. Whatever resources you need to pay uh, uh, or pull from, whoever you need to pay, like just give me a better story, period. End of story. And they can continue with Disney's decade-long love affair of giving Sebastian Stan work. People are really... I hope that comes to fruition, bless his heart, because he is a ringer for for a young Mark Hamill. I don't know what their height is. Like, is he like... Because Mark Hamill is short. I don't know if Sebastian Stan is... Like, I don't don't know. Like, I haven't looked at his digits, his numbers, the measurables. super tall. Did he go to the combine? Do we know? Did he... (laughs) 
Hey, look, if they can make Elijah Wood look three foot ten, they can do anything with height. So there he's stretching. He's close though. He's like four or five, isn't he? He's not tall. He's like five, 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 six, maybe. All right, fair enough. The dogs also do not want to hear about a clone. I I agree with you. I agree with you. All right. So anyway, fuck Skywalker clones. Get rid of that. We want nothing to do with it. Oh, Dave's just hanging his head. He's doing that, 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 that hanger shave. He's like, "What can I do?" Listed at five. Here, I got you. Listed at five six. So he's got to be like five four. Right, Elijah so, Woods probably like five four. I, All right. I'm so not. I'm, I'm not going out on a limb and saying this is a good idea, but who knows? I mean, we'll we'll see what I they just, come up with. But I just it, hope it's a speculative report. I just hope is. that's all it is. It is. It's all speculative. I mean, they it, it, and whether they introduce him, you know, the one thing to have that as part of the comics to bring that Thrawn trilogy kind of aspect into the comics, fine. But when you're talking about adding that into not just the Mandalorian season three, but the Ahsoka series as well, and it's all going to be wrapped around Luke. <laughs> you know what do you? I don't know, man. It's kind of. Okay, okay. I thought we were going into something positive about Star Wars, and so far, all I've done is shit on Star Wars twice. So let's let's talk about how great the Rise of Skywalker is, and go for the hat trick. Oh God, no, we're not going to do we're not going to do that. What we are going to do is we are going to talk about Ewan McGregor, uh, who is going to be reprising his role as Obi Wan Kenobi, who we all know he played Obi Wan Kenobi in the prequel trilogy, and he did an interview. Uh, with the Hollywood Reporter, and he was talking about his experience uh, about those and how he recognized, and this is this is the quote that he was he found it hard when the Star Wars prequels were panned by critics and audience. He said it was hard they didn't get well received, that it was quite difficult, that they were universally not very much liked. He he went a little bit further. Um, talking about his experience making Revenge of the Sith and how it was just very tedious after after you know working in front of a green screen. It was very difficult after three or four months of that. It just gets really tedious, especially when the scenes are, I don't want to be rude, but it's not Shakespeare. And the, the reason I brought this article up is because I don't know about you guys, and, and I've just rank rankled on and on and on about new content new stories something away from the skywalker story but one of the real highlights and i am not a fan of the prequels one of the real highlights of the prequel films in my opinion and i think most people would agree with that is ewan mcgregor's role as obi-wan kenobi and for me i don't think he's got anything to worry about with this Obi-Wan Kenobi series. And I'm excited that he's excited to, to go forward with filming this because I, I think that he was the best part of those films that and the, the lightsaber fight on, on, on Mustafar. Like, yeah, you and McGregor well, wasn't the problem. I mean, he wasn't the one with the wooden acting acting. He wasn't the one with the shitty portrayal of his character. He wasn't the one. Oh, oh just look at you going all in on Hayden. Aren't you about to, <laughs> So, I mean, I don't know how uh, you defend. You, you can't. Def- the fact the thing that boggles my mind is that they're going to bring him back as well. I'm like, has he gotten better? Well, I, and I've, I'm going to say this and you're going to feel like I'm double speaking. Hayden Christensen was not good as Anakin Skywalker in 
um, Attack of the Clones or Revenge of the Sith. Hayden Christensen is a good actor. And if you have seen him in other films, he is not terrible. He gets maligned over what I would argue is a really bad script. Like, I put most of the onus on the problems with the prequel trilogies on George Lucas and his stubbornness to not, like, let anybody else be involved in the creative process. And in particular, script writing and punching up his script. Because he wrote wrote that whole thing. And you're right. There are moments where Hayden knocks it out of the park. After he slaughters the sand people, where he's talking to Padme... And you can feel the emotion and the hatred coming out of him. And that's what you're supposed to get, that Anakin's conflicted by that. So he nails that part. But getting back to Ewan McGregor, I mean, his portrayal of Obi-Wan was fantastic. I mean, the progression of him through the three movies from the arrogant I can take on in the world, including a Padawan, even though I'm not really ready for it in the first one, to by the end of it, realizing he's utterly failed in that role and 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 he's the last bastion of hope for to put an end to Anakin's or, or Vader's run. So, you know, I, I get it. I mean, I think I think he probably knew when they were making the movies like that. Man, this this does not have any of the feel of the fir- of the original ones at all, except maybe aspects of the third one. But, yeah, I, I don't know anybody who would have been making Attack of the Clones and saying, God damn, this is a masterpiece. I, I, I don't see how anybody would have thought that. Or Phantom Menace, really, for that matter, despite it's one of Tunney's favorites, I know. But, uh, yeah, Tunney's shaking his fist at the cloud now, too. So, No, he's shaking his fist at you. Oh, sorry. Sorry, PC. You're still like, my best friend. But Ray, Ray, Ray's, cool with, Ray's cool with the Phantom Menace, too, right? Like, like we Love talked it. about that meant to you, yeah. But I, I don't know. What do you think, Ray? Or Tunney, either one of you. I, I Dave and I have dominated the conversation, so. So... So much of those movies are maligned, I think, just because they're not the original. And so, like, I if I was Ewan McGregor, if I was um, taking God, Liam Neeson, I can't remember his name. If I was, um, if I, especially if I was Hayden, if I was Natalie Portman, if I was these people, I would definitely have a bad taste in my mouth about these movies. Especially looking forward now to see how things have flipped and Star Wars has just done nothing but blown up and grown, and and everything else about it has been largely enjoyed yet you know i feel like i feel like any of the three i feel like any of the of the cast of the the prequel and the new trilogy will feel this way because people like all due respect you guys will always say but it's not like the original and so there's always going to be people like kelly marie tran god bless that girl like she almost quit acting and she's not even a major character so you know, I, I do. I, I, I'm gonna put my I'm gonna put my defensive hands up a little bit. I have never bullied somebody over sure. their their work at a role. Like I'm not that guy. I I agree a little bit to your point about being like, well, it's not the original Shirley. They're poorly written movies. Like they really are. The dialogue is not good. The political intrigue that is supposed to be within these films is is boring it's it's not a well-constructed script and and i do think that part of the reason why like that's why like i'm a little bullish on hayden christensen and even natalie portman we know natalie portman's a good actor she's won a freaking oscar like she's a hell of an actor we weren't giving good material 
I think the the advantage that Ewan McGregor had is he had Sir Alec Guinness to go watch. Mm. And he could channel a character based on something that was already created. I think the biggest problem is with the second trilogy, it's not as good as the first trilogy. And that's the biggest problem, right? Whether or not it's this far below it or, or way much belower, <clears throat> below it, it doesn't matter because yeah, there you go, Dave, because it didn't live up to the original. And that's what everybody has a problem with. In my opinion, I don't really understand it because you come back to like the third trilogy. And if you really want to compare notes, it ain't much better. It's just different. Right. So I I like one movie out of each of the secondary trilogies, like, like, like them. And we like, like, I like revenge of the Sith. I think that's a very, like, I think that's the best of those three. No, but to, to your point, I guess is what I'm saying, Tony. George Lucas stuck with what he knew. He he did it the first time, and he did it the second time, and he wasn't going to kowtung to whoever wanted whatever. Well, I yeah, mean, I, I, I can buy that. And the prequel trilogy was Anakin's story, and and too much of it strayed away from that, which didn't, which didn't help the narrative in a lot of places, so... I don't know. I mean, it's it's hard to tell where the first the the prequel trilogy went. I mean, it didn't get off to a good start. Phantom Menace, where you've got the the double headed problem of Jake Lloyd combined with Jar Jar Binks, and that's an awful lot to overcome when you're trying to start yeah. a new a new trilogy going out, and you have that problem staring you in the face. Uh, Speaking of two lives ruined by fandom, yes, Modena, both of them. and and Jake Lloyd, both of them. That, that killed acting for them. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and, and I mean, Jake's been a train wreck since then in a lot of ways. And, and it, it's sad, you know, but, but like I've always said, if they cast Anakin a little bit older and not brought him in as a nine year old, maybe you have, maybe you get a different sort of vibe to the, to that first movie. Maybe. Do we, do we think, and this Tony, your, your statement kind of made me think, think of this. If we had started with the Phantom Menace, and George Lucas had told the story in the order, kind of quote unquote, the order that, that that the episodes are in, and we got one, two, and three first. Do we think that changes how we see Star Wars and, and the original trilogy? One hundred percent. Fans apologize to this episode being first and leading into better things to come, storyline wise. If it continues on the same, you know, landscape parallel to what originally happened. Instead, you go back and, you know, hopes are high and this is what you're given is a kid and some character that Misa talks like Misa this. But I also think it fundamentally changes the entire Star Wars canon because the one of the the biggest moment in movie history is, you know, Luke, I am your father or whatever, however, whatever the actual saying is, you don't it's not as big a deal. I don't think. If you didn't see him descend into madness, it could be you know bigger I mean? because, you know, instead of finding out who his father is, it's finding out when he's going to find out. OK, maybe so, because what I'm thinking is we know Anakin is a Skywalker from day one. And so when you're introduced to Luke Skywalker, you know, OK, well, clearly these two are related in some kind of way. But I can see the intrigue to when they figure it out, when Luke figures it, I can see that maybe. There's, but it fundamentally changes the canon. And there's always been a debate, or, or at least the concept of what you guys are talking about. 
like Ray or Pat, I don't know, you guys have younger kids than I do. I mean, it never came up with my kids because they've watched Star Wars here and there and have never been into it as much as I was. But do you tell your kids to watch it four, five, six, one, two, three, or do you tell them to watch it one through, well, I guess now one through nine? I, I watched it the first time I watched it with my son, I watched it four, five, six, one, two, three. And I did intentionally because of the special effects. It had nothing to do with the story. Because, and I'll use Godzilla as a comparison. He can't watch an old Godzilla movie because he's watched all the, the new ones that have just come out. And I was like, oh, hey, you want to check this out? This is where this all came from. And he was like, it's just a dude in a rubber suit. Mm-hmm. Like, he just, he just, mm-hmm. he, Patrick O'Dowd's the crap out of Godzilla. The way, like, I, I reap what I sow. And I'm right there with you. My my girls haven't watched uh, Star Wars because they're not sci-fi people. Like, I, I struggle to get them into a lot of comic book movies. But I would do four, five, six, one, two, three for the same reasons Pat said. I say it all the time on the show. You can't go back. You can go forward. You can't go with CGI computer graphics and then go back to pew, pew, pew. It just doesn't work that way. Yeah, it really, it really does. It does, and I will say it's not that it doesn't really work that way. It's that at a young age, it doesn't work that way. When 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 they're older, and maybe it's something that they've taken an interest in, and they're a little bit more like, I want to learn about movies, or I want to learn about this, then it's a little bit more palatable to them to be like, okay, this is you know, this is where this came from. And so, because I've shown him old Ray Harryhausen movies, and he's been all for it. Like Ray Harryhausen, like Clash of the Titans, still has one of the most suspenseful scenes ever, reviewed by Bandwagon Hertz. Um, and, and it's the scene with the Medusa where he's hiding behind the pillar and Medusa is coming, and that's a that's a claymation Medusa with a bit of trickery, and it it still holds up today as a, a very tense, suspenseful scene. Uh, and but yeah, it's it's tough to go backwards, like you said, when, especially when they're young. Um, if they get older, and, and, something they want to embrace, then I think it's different. And and we're not talking about standalone movies. We're talking about sequential order. So you have to see right. each one to know what happens in the next. So, right. you know, you can watch Clash of the Titans of that era, and then you can watch the new Clash of the Titans, and there's no mix-up because... I'm not saying it's good or not, but there's no mix-up in it because they're different movies that stand alone on their own merit. You know, even, I struggle to this day. Star Wars four, five, or six is on, and I struggle to watch it, even though I've I've watched them and I enjoy them because well, the graphic. True. I'm so used to seeing, you know, new stuff. Hey, K. You know what? I don't struggle to watch Fern Gully. Ah, yeah, I- uh, there, there it is. is. One lightsaber and that whole gully's gone. So I just want to make clear to the to our listeners, we do like Star Wars. I promise you, we love Star Wars very much. I, you know, and I, I'll say this: I love Star Wars very much. And you know, I'm hard on it. I think because it is so like it is something that I really have invested a lot of my pop cultural life into. If that makes sense, like I talked about it at the top of the show like it was so engaging to me when i was young that yeah some of it is that it's not what i grew up on 
some of it is, and again, I'll, I'll always back it up. Some of it is, is some of it is some some bad storytelling and some bad movies and some bad scripts. And like Tony brought up, not everything's good. Not everything's good. No, but then and, you've got, but then you've got the Mandalorian, which we all loved, and it's something brand oh, new. And 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 you've got you know stuff like uh, they've got whole. Sorry, Pat. Go ahead. Well, I, I just to buoy off of that, the two animated series that I've talked about today, Rebels and Clone Wars, are terrific oh, God, yeah. shows. Absolutely. Terrific shows and absolutely worth watching. And I think Bad Batch will be right up there with them, to be honest with you, because they're they're kind of like DC animation. Same, they don't make studio. Bad, yeah, they don't make bad animation. They got and they've got great stories. And, and I still wonder if we're not going to get, you, you know the Jedi temple animated series with Luke and Grogu and all that shit going wrong. I'm not ruling that out either, but yeah, I mean, you look at star Wars impact, you know, you've got two giant star Wars theme lands in, in two of the biggest theme parks in the world that are all about star Wars. And you can just get completely immersed in that whole thing. So, I mean, yeah, we, we love star Wars. It's, it's a fantastic franchise. You're not going to hit it. You're not going to go undefeated. You're not going to hit everything out of the park. You're going to hit and miss. They've had their share of that. Just like even the almighty MCU had freaking Thor Dark World and Iron Man 2. So there you go. Uh, and, and just to, like I know we loved it on this show, but there's some there's some pushback on Falcon and or Captain America and the Winter Soldier out there. Like it didn't resonate with everyone the way that it did with us. And that's fine. Like we can, we disagree with you poo pooers, but we, we, you know, it's, there, there's not, they're not all of them are going to be winners. So I think we, I think we brought it. I think we came around. We came around with our, like we had a lot of star Wars negativity. I do feel like we brought it. Uh, I think we brought it full circle. We do love star Wars. We look forward to what's next. And today, May the 4th, is going to have a ton of news. I it, it just always does. Like we're gonna get something we don't expect from Disney today. So with that, I think it's time. Is mayonnaise an instrument? Want to go jellyfishing? What am I supposed to do all day while you're at school? Can I use your bathroom? Who's your friend? What does claustrophobic mean? <laughs> you know what the problem is. <laughs> So I told you I had two questions. Question two circles back on something I talked about when I responded to, to my own question, question one. And the the just the permeation of Star Wars into our popular culture. You can see it everywhere. For all of you, discounting, you can't say space balls. Can't say space balls. Taking it off the table. Your favorites of Star Wars and popular culture that you've seen in some way, shape, or form, whether it's books, movies, television shows, anything. Where has Star Wars shown up that that you have embraced it? And Tony, I saw you raising a finger already. Why don't you why don't you go for it? I think what Seth MacFarlane has done with Family Guy and actually coming out with episodes for each of the original Star Wars trilogy is phenomenal. Or at least the first two. I can't remember if they did the third one or not. But the first one is excellent. If you're a Star Wars fan and you're a fan of animation, likely if you're a Star Wars fan, you're a fan of Family Guy anyway. Um, but check them out. They're, they're well done, 
from a from a from someone who is a fan. And uh, that's what I'd give you. And I would say yes, Spaceballs, unbelievably amazing. Uh, seen at the movie theater. Ray Cash, what about you? you? That's probably the best one, I think. Um, but another one that's kind of really low-key, that's kind of fun if you don't pay attention to it, is in various MCU movies, someone always gets their arm cut off. Oh, and um, in Phase 2. That was a Phase mm-hmm. 2 thing. Yes. I believe it was every movie in Phase 2, yeah. So that's a, that's yes. a fun somebody homage. Lost, somebody lost an arm yeah. in Phase 2. So yep. that's a fun homage to Star Wars that I can think of. But I, I would say my father murdered it with those uh, Star Wars-esque episodes of Family Guy. So those are the two for sure. Well, there's been how many countless Star Wars porn parodies on Pornhub? But, uh, you know, you got that. Um, had porn. <laughs> Frankenhooker 4. Frankenhooker 4. The total package. Yeah. The total package. Yeah. She yeah, was Luke sliced down. Luke sliced me with his lightsaber. No, um, you know we talked about the theme parks. They've got entire Star Wars lands infiltrating that. Um, there's a 2009 movie called Fanboys. I don't know if you guys have seen that or not. Yes, that's yes, all that about Star Wars. Uh, it's not spaceballs. What? Or no, they run into Trekkies on their trip. Yes, right, exactly. But it, but it is, it's an homage to Star Wars as well. It's not Spaceballs quality, of course not. But it's quite good to check out. I would, I would recommend watching Fanboys because it's very funny. Yeah, it's that is a quality flick. It's about this group of fans trying to like go meet George Lucas or something. If I, if I remember correctly, right. going to like a Star Wars convention. Obviously, so I, Big Bang Theory. Didn't they have a whole episode where they go to the Skywalker Ranch? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah totally. So I have three that I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up, and one of them is an audio clip that I pulled just for today's show. But um, the first two, uh, so you talked about Seth MacFarlane. I'm gonna talk about another Seth, Seth Green. Seth Green, the creator of Robot Chicken, the show, did not one, not two, but three Star Wars Robot Chicken episodes of just like bizarro things that they they thought about. Um, that maybe would happen in the star Wars world. And Donald Faison actually has a recurring role in those shows where he plays Gary, the Stormtrooper. And I encourage everyone to go to YouTube at some point and check out Gary, the Stormtrooper, take your daughter to work day in star Wars. And it's basically like Gary's a Stormtrooper going to work. And his wife is like, you promised to take your daughter to take your daughter to the work day. And so he takes them and it's them busting onto Princess Leia's ship, trying to steal back the plans to the Death Star from from Princess Leia. So it's like this little girl running through this firefight, dropping like her teddy bear and like Donald Faison as a dad. It's one of the funniest things I've ever watched in my entire life. Two, Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith, everybody knows Kevin Smith is a big Star Wars fan, but Mallrats in particular he spends a good portion of that movie with his silent Bob character trying to use the force to, to do stuff. And he's trying to show people that he can use the force. And at the end, like there's this penultimate moment where he's trying to pull a pin out of a set or no, he's trying to get a VHS um, cassette that's got stuck in in this, in in this uh, uh, scaffolding and through a bunch of stuff, like it pops into his hand and he's like, Oh, I got it. And he thinks it's because he used the force to do it. But the last is something I saw well after I was born and, and saw well after or it happened well before I was born and, uh, and, and I saw long after it aired. And that's Bill Murray doing a lounge singer act 
at a ski lodge. And I'm just going to play, I'm just going to play it for you because it's something special and it cracks me up every time. This is the Nick Winter Show and I do the entertaining. Thank you. Let's go out with something really hot for these folks. A big hit out of 77. A Star Wars. Nothing but Star Wars. Give me the Star Wars. Don't let them That's Paul Schaefer on the keys. If they should fire wars, please let these Star Wars stay. And hey, how about that nutty Star Wars bar? Can you forget all the creatures in there? And hey, Darth Vader in that black and evil mask. Did he scare you as much as he scared me? Top three Saturday Night Live musical skits of all time with Dick in a Box and um, <clears throat> no, 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 no. Um, Andy Kaufman when he comes out to Mighty, oh, Mighty Mouse, and it just he just waits for it and then he goes for here I come here to save the day. Yep, there yeah, exactly the top three. Uh, yeah, Nick Winters, the Nick Winters Lounge Singer Act, and it's a seven minute long sketch. And that that is the tail end of it. And so check it out. And this is one of the redeeming qualities of Peacock, by the way, is their Saturday Night Live hub has a staff picks and it's just best sketches. And it goes through and it's from the whole gamut. Another if I, I you said top three, Tony, but top five, Natalie Portman rap. If you haven't seen the Natalie Portman rap, you need to go check out the Natalie Portman rap. It's awesome. If, if I can go Patrick O'Dowd on the Natalie Portman rap, they've done, they've tried to redo it too many times. The first one was great. The original the one is awesome. Them, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But the other ones are like too much. Right. I'll, I'll, I'll grant you that. But the, the original Natalie Portman rap is good stuff. Now, Dave, you were like, what, 25 when the when the Bill Murray sketch aired, right? Like 25, 26, somewhere in there? I, I don't think I was quite that old, Pat. You know, I, I'm more yeah. impressed that it only took us 77 episodes to finally get a dick in the box reference. So thank you, PC Tunny. So wait a second. This is our 77th episode. It's it my dick in a box. So so let me get this straight. We're doing a Star Wars episode airing on May the 4th. That is the 77th episode of a movie that came out in 1977. You'd almost think we planned that, but we didn't. Nope, didn't at all. <laughs> no- like we almost planned my dick in a box. Ooh. Okay. Take a look inside. No, 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 no. I'll, I'll play the Star Wars sketch again, you motherfuckers. No, no, no. That, I think, is going to be the note on which we end our May the 4th episode. Thank you guys for, for indulging a good hour of Star Wars chat. Always fun. You know, I, I've, I've... Any time to talk about Star Wars is a good time. Next week, everyone, we... We'll start our next project to kill time until the debut of Loki. The votes are in. All 12 of you decided that we will be doing the Heroes Project for, for the next 
five weeks because I added a fifth category. Um, and so, yeah, so when we did the Villains Project, we did Villains and Entertainment, which was like this very broad, like, thing. And, and it was just, to me, it was a little too broad. And so I actually want to narrow it down. And we're going to split entertainment when we do this and have heroes in television shows, television series, and slash heroes in movies as its own category. So next week, first go around will be our top 10 heroes from TV. Uh, and I'm going to count streaming series shows, but it has to be a series, not a not a movie. Heroes from streaming series, if you want to go that route as well. That'll be next week. That'll be our first top 10, followed by Heroes from Movies, which is on May 16th, which just so happens to be Patrick O'Dowd's birthday, which also just so happens to be a week where Patrick O'Dowd won't be on the show because he has to work. Boo. So, so wait, still, okay, so okay. you want us to do this without you? Is that what you're saying? Yep. I'm going to send you my list anyway, and you can rattle off my top five if you feel like it. And I'm totally cool with that. Goddamn, Ray. We're going to eviscerate that list, and nobody's going to stop us. Got to be murdered. Working on heroes? What's wrong with you guys? (laughs) Then um, we'll go into the third week will be independent comics, followed by we'll flip-flop it this time. We'll go Marvel first, and we'll wrap up with DC before going into our review of Loki the following week. So there you have it, folks. That's what we're going to be doing for the next five weeks here on Bandwagon Nerds. And on that note, that's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Before we go, let's do a quick once around, remind everybody where they can find us. Let's start this week with the frozen face of David Ungar. Still frozen. God damn it. Anyway, you can find me on Twitter at attitude ag. That is at attitude a G G and on facebook.com slash attitude of aggression and also over at Fern Gully Forever, the fan club that never stops. Thank you, Ray. Can't stop, won't stop. And the imitated fro- frozen face of PC Tony. You can find me at PC Tony. Make sure you check out everything on the Chair Shot Radio Network. Thank you for all of your listenership. Please continue to listen to the pop culture jewel of the Chair Shot Radio Network, Bandwagon Nerds. That brings it to Ray Cash. You can find me at Patrick O'Dowd Loves Ferngully 21, <laughs> a.k.a. at It's Ray Cash, R-E-Y as in Mysterio, C-A-S-H as in Dollars. And, uh, yeah, pop, cur- pop culture jewel of the chair shot, sports, entertainment, and Star Wars. <laughs> I, I just think on May 16th, Pat's not here, Ray. Let's do a Ferngully watch along with PC Tunney. There you go. Live. Live. Yes. That's a so, great idea to not have one whole half of the show on the show. <laughs> it's like you want us to lose the podcast. It's like you want us to get canceled. We got okay, cut, uh, our listenership got cut down to twelve, Pat. I mean, what do we have Patrick, to lose at this point? Honestly, legit. I feel like Dave and Ray should be best friends, and Patrick and I should be best right. friends, considering what's been happening this episode, and considering that the May fifteenth and sixteenth weekend is our birthday weekend i know that how about that all right very nice you can catch me on the twitter you can follow me at wrestling realist that is at w-r-e-s-t-l-n-g-r-e-a-l-i-s-t of course you catch us every usually monday but this week we're on may the 4th for bandwagon nerds you can also catch me every wednesday with craig demarco and miranda morales on the babyface heel podcast and all four of us on bandwagon 
two chair shot radio spots throughout the week. You can catch me on Sunday mornings, usually with David Ungar, though this past week it was with Ray Cash. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Get yourself out of the basement now and watch all of the Star Wars that you can. Happy May the 4th. We'll catch you next time on Bandwagon Nerds on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com. I watch Mortal Kombat for nothing. Not gonna get you a diamond ring. That sort of gift don't mean anything. Not gonna get you a fancy car. Girl, you gotta know you're my shining star. Not gonna get you a house in the hills. A girl like you needs something real. Wanna get you something from the heart. Something special, girl. It's my dick in a box. My dick in a box, babe. It's my dick in a box. Ooh, my dick in a box, girl. See, I'm wise enough to know when a gift needs giving. And I got just the one. Something to show you that you are second to none. Fellas out there with ladies to impress It's easy to do, just follow these steps One Cut a hole in a box Two Put your junk in that box Three Make her open the box And that's the way you do it It's my dick in a box I killed them I killed them all They're dead Every single one of them. And not just the men, but the women and the children, too. They're like animals, and I slaughtered them like animals. I hate them! failed your highness I am a Jedi like my father before me the Jedi are romanticized deified if you strip away the myth and look at their deeds the legacy of the Jedi is failure hypocrisy hubris that's not true at the height of their powers they allowed Darth Sidious to rise create the Empire and wipe them out it was a Jedi Master who was responsible for the training and creation of Darth Vader. And a Jedi who saved him. Yes, the most hated man in the galaxy. But you saw there was conflict inside him. You believed that he wasn't gone, that he could be turned. And I became a legend. For many years there was balance. And then I saw Ben. My nephew. 
with that mighty Skywalker blood. And in my hubris, I thought I could train him. I could pass on my strengths. Hans, Han about it, but Leia, trust me with her son. I took him and a dozen students and began the training temple. By the time I realized I was no match for the darkness rising in him, it was too late. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.